that is probably the most important to us as believers. Um, if I ask anybody in here what is prayer, most of, most of us would say it's communicating with God, talking to God, talking with the Father. That's how we ask him for things. That's how we uh, know his will, those type of things. But as far as the purpose of prayer and why we pray, uh, most of us probably don't really know th- that answer. And again, we've made statements. We said that the reason why we don't pray is we just simply don't believe it's as effective as the Bible says it is or as maybe we think it is. If prayer was so powerful and if prayer was as effective as we say it is, then why don't we do it more often? Why isn't, it that, why isn't that the first thing we, we do rather than taking other alternatives and, and other options? Uh, Christians are not the only ones that pray. Remember we've said this, that just about every religion has one thing in common, and that is prayer. They talk to a higher power or another source. Just about every religion has that in common. So what makes believers' prayer more important? Obviously we know who's on the other end. We know that someone is on the other end hearing us when we pray and is able to answer our prayers. We know these things. Um, as far as the church as far as the church goes, you know, I heard a minister say a while back that the, the smallest meeting uh, in every church is the prayer meeting. You know, we gather for church, we gather for fellowships, and we do those type of things, but the thing that we have the hardest time getting all the church to come in unity in is prayer and all coming at one time and doing that one act. Uh, So this is something that we need to discover because remember we said that if we don't understand the purpose for something, then we will abuse it. You abuse anything if you don't know why you have it. You abuse guns if you don't know what they're for. You abuse your job if you don't know why you're working it. You abuse money uh, if you don't know what it's for. You abuse your spouse if you don't know why you're married to them. You abuse your children if you don't know why you have children. So we abuse any system that we don't know the purpose for it. Also, uh, for it to work effectively, we need to know the purpose. And the reason why a lot of us are abandoning prayer is because we're not seeing results or it's not being effective in our lives. Remember we said that... uh, Knowing the purpose for something allows it to bring its full effect into your life. If I know why I have money, then I can use it for the right reasons, and it will bring me the the greatest results. It will be the most beneficial to me. There's a lot of people that have money, but it's no good to them because they don't know why they have it. They don't know how to use it. Now, here in America, we do something that's very dangerous. And if something doesn't work, we quit using it. If our marriage isn't working, we split up. If we don't want to be a dad anymore, then we leave the family. If we don't like our job anymore, then we quit our jobs. If we, uh, just about anything in life, if there's a restaurant that just doesn't work for us anymore, then we quit going there. But we're in a rut, in, in in a system that if the system doesn't work, then we quit it instead of trying to fix the system. And sadly enough, that's where a lot of believers are today is we don't use prayer because it just hasn't worked for us. And so instead of trying to figure out how can I get prayer to work in my life, what do I need to fix, what, what am I missing, what do I need to tweak, we just quit prayer altogether. 
and we do this with, with a lot of things in our lives. There's, there's people right now that are trying to get people, uh, you know, trying to pass laws so no one can own guns. Be why? Because people have misused them. People don't know how to use them. We get into the wrong hands. And so this is, this is the nature that we follow. If something doesn't work, we quit it. But prayer is not something that we should be quitting. I want to remind you what the purpose of prayer is. Um, and, you know, I can't recap all the last three weeks, but the purpose of prayer itself is important to know. And that is, through prayer, we are allowing God to operate in the earth on our behalf. That is what prayer is. Now, for some of us, that may sound weird. You, you're telling me I have to allow God, God, the creator of the universe, God, all-powerful, God, almighty, I have to actually give him permission to do something? Well, let's take a reminder. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says that when God created the earth, he said two words that changed the course of history for mankind. He said, let them rule over the earth. Let them have dominion. That word dominion simply means control. So what he did in those two words was give man full authority and full control in the earth. Adam and Eve were there to take care of the garden. They were there to guard and protect it. They were the ones that were responsible for making sure that the, the fruit reproduced after its own kind. Why did God tell Adam and Eve to name the animals? Because he had already made a statement prior saying, let them have rulership. Let them have dominion. Adam and Eve, obviously, by, by failing, by falling to sin and to the enemy, to Satan, they handed over the control of the earth to the devil. So now this earth is not in control of man any longer. But Jesus came and did something very important. Jesus came, died on a cross, shed his blood so that we could have that dominion and that authority handed back to us. So now we are in control as believers, the church, not everybody, those who accept Jesus as their Lord. And that's why in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus tells Peter to you, the church, I'm going to build on you, I'm going to, on the rock, I'm going to build the church. And to you, you will have all authority. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Isn't it interesting that heaven is responding to man? Notice that God, uh, Jesus says, uh, how many times does Jesus say in his word to ask? If you only ask. If you ask this, then it will be given to you. If you ask for this, then you will have it. Why? Because God cannot do anything in your life unless you pray and ask for it. Because Genesis 1.26 is still in operation. God is not doing in anything in the earth without using mankind. He did not part the Red Sea without using Moses. He did not lead his people out of slavery without using Moses. He did not lead his people into the promised land without using Joshua. He did not kill the giant Goliath without using David. He didn't even save mankind without using Jesus in the flesh. And the same is still true today. So this is why prayer is so important. When we understand the purpose of prayer, 
then it helps us use it effectively, use it appropriately, and then we can start to see results. Then, uh, secondly, we talked about the relationship of prayer and how the only way you're going to accomplish God's will on the earth is if you know God. Jesus did nothing because he wanted to. A lot of times we think, you know, Jesus, he's, he's God on the earth. He can do whatever he wants. Nobody can stop him. But not even he was bound to his own will. John chapter 5, verse 31, he says, I do nothing on my own initiative. I do nothing on my, out of my own will. What does that tell us? First of all, that tells us he had a will. We know this because when he was in the garden, he said, Father, not your will, nor not my will, but your will. But Jesus was God, sure, but he was also man in the flesh, and he had a will just like you and I do, just like each of us do. We think that Jesus just woke up and just felt like going out and healing everybody and going out and ministering all day long, but I'm sure there was, there was parts of him. In fact, if you look in John chapter 4, when he ministered to the woman at Samaria at the well, he was tired and he was hungry. He had had a long day's journey. And he sat down at that well, not to minister to that lady, but to get some water and some rest. He sent his disciples into town. He said, no, I, I can't even go into town to get food. You go in town, get some food, and bring it back to me. And then he ended up ministering. Why? Because it's not my will. It's his will. But why did he know God's will so much? Because he rose early in the morning to pray. He went up to the mountaintop and prayed. He would pray all night long. And the one thing that Jesus' disciples asked him to teach them, they didn't say, Lord, teach us how to cast out demons. Lord, teach us how to lay hands on the sick to see them recover. Lord, teach us how to do all these miracles and signs and wonders you're doing, how to walk on water and, and how to... They didn't do that. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. They realized that communication with God, talking with his Father, was the key to everything he did. Because he was constantly saying... I do nothing of, on my own initiative. I don't go where I want to go. I don't say what I want to say. I don't do what I want to do. So we have to establish that relationship with the Father. We have to get there. Last week we started to look a little bit at what are some things that hinder prayer. And today I want to get into the will of prayer. If you're taking notes, the title of today's message is The Will of Prayer. What is, what is the how do we pray God's will? This is probably one of the number one areas that we struggle the most. Last week we talked about faith and how we have to pray with faith. But this is another area that we miss a lot because we pray out of God's will. Look at this in John chapter 16, verse 23. John chapter 16, verse 23. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Right there, he's saying, if you're praying to me, you're wrong. I'm not the source. Jesus did something so phenomenal. If we want to be a picture of Jesus, we have to be a picture of the Father. Because Jesus, everywhere he goes, he said, you have, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, Jesus was so confident that I am doing exactly what the Father wants me to do. That he was able to go through life and say, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Me and my Father, 
We are one. We are one and the same. That's how close we are. Why? Because I'm talking to you. Verse 24, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So we see two things here. First of all, asking leads to receiving. Very simple. If you want to receive something, you ask for it. We have to be asking. Sometimes we just sell ourselves short right there and we just don't even bother asking. There's things that we need in our lives. There's things that we need to to have to fulfill an assignment. And we don't even ask God. We, we're always, we always reduce ourselves to trying to take care of it ourselves, to trying to do it our way. But God has a way of doing it. So we must ask God before he can give us. But notice that asking God is required. In fact, Jesus even said, I, my father already knows what you need before you ask. But what is still required? The asking. Even though he knows. Why? Because God needs our permission to operate in the earth. Okay? Now let's go over to James chapter 4. There's a very important note that we need to make here. And that is motives. We've got to understand motives. We've, We've covered purpose and why we do something. But now we need to know the motives behind it. We know that prayer is allowing God in heaven to operate in the earth on the behalf of mankind. See, I don't have the power to heal somebody, but God does. But he can't do it unless I ask him. So by me asking him enables him to operate in the earth on my behalf. I don't have the power to just eradicate sickness out of my body, but I can pray in the name of Jesus Just like James chapter 5 says, if there are any sick among you, have them pray the prayer of faith, and they will be healed. So we have to pray to get God to do something that only he can do, but it is required for us to ask. But here's the issue that we have. It's with motives. And there's many things that we ask for. There's many things that we can think of that we need or desire in our lives but we have the wrong motive. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, and in that, uh, James chapter 4, verse 2, you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Again, the having follows the asking. And you see here that man has tried many different ways of receiving. We lust after things. We envy other people. And then it even gets as far as as taking other people's lives because we want it so bad. Because we desire something so bad that we sometimes even go as far as murder, covet, fighting, and war. But he says here, you do not have because there's one small thing you're not doing that is asking. But now look at verse 3. So asking is necessary. But verse 3 says, You ask and do not receive. Well, now what's the problem? Verse 2, you just told me that the thing I needed to do was ask, and then I would receive. Now you're turning around and telling me that even when I do ask, I don't receive. What's the issue? Because you ask amiss, 
that you may spend it on your pleasures. And this is where we're going to be. Motives are not clear until you understand the purpose for something. So let's take prayer. Let's take prayer and let's put it in its purpose real quick. Because unless we fully understand the purpose of something, then we won't have the right motives. You know, a lot of times when uh, someone murders someone, people want to know what was their motive. We just had a very terrible incident take place in Colorado. And the first thing people want to know was, what's your motive? Why? Well, if you can understand his purpose then you'll know the motive. When you understand his purpose for why he did what he did, then you know the motive for purchasing all the guns and writing all the notes and doing all the things that he did. All the motives then become clear because you understand his purpose. So let's put prayer in its purpose real quick. The purpose of prayer is for man to give God permission, allow him to operate in the earth on our behalf. And what is man's purpose? Well, we just saw in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that God created man to rule over the earth and to have dominion. See, the most important thing in your life is your purpose. That's the most important thing in your life. And everything you do should revolve around your purpose. Not very many people know the answer to, why am I here? Not very many people can answer the question, what is my purpose? And God's really laid that on my heart recently, and, and in the coming weeks we're going to venture into that, and we're going to discover what is man's purpose. Why is man here as a whole? Why was the earth created? Why did God create the earth? Why did God uh, put man on the earth? Why did man sin? Why did Jesus have to come? We're going to answer so many why questions. Because we have a lot of why questions, but we don't know the answers. We need to know the answers. So what is man's purpose? Man's purpose is to rule on the earth. Just what Jesus did. We, we throw that out there. What would Jesus do? Do what he did. So we need to know what our purpose is. And we need to know the purpose of prayer. Now the motives can become clear. You ask and you do not receive. Because you ask amiss. First of all, that word amiss means with wrong intentions or motives. You ask, but there's a motive behind it that's not correct. Secondly, that word spend. This is a big one. That word spend means to waste. To waste or to have, but for no purpose. So he says here that you ask with the wrong intentions that you may waste it on your own pleasures. When you waste something, there, there's no value to it. And the word pleasures just simply means something you enjoy doing. Something that you enjoy doing. That's what a pleasure is. So, let's read it that way. You ask and do not receive, because you ask with the wrong intentions or motives, that you may waste it, or have it with no purpose on your own desires, on doing things that you want to do. That's what that verse is saying. And that's the key where a lot of us miss. 
this is where a lot of us miss. Because even those of us that do pray, sometimes we don't pray with the right intentions. And we need to get everything in alignment. I just said that everything revolves around your purpose. So prayer, our prayers should line up with our purpose in the earth. And we're going to see how this gets corrected. Um, First of all, I want to say this, that desires are not wrong. Desires are not wrong. I'm not saying that if you desire anything in your life, that it's wrong. What I am saying is it is wrong to have the wrong desire. Because desires come from two places. Desires come from two places. One, desires come from God. God gives desires. Psalm chapter 37, verse 4. Psalms chapter 37, verse 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desire of your heart. Well, if it was wrong for us to desire anything, then why would God give us what we desire? But he says right there that he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself also in the Lord. But secondly, desires come from another place, and this is where we have to be careful. Desires also come from the devil, the enemy. You go back to Genesis chapter 3. Go back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 5. Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. This is Satan talking to Eve. Okay, they're in the garden. God has already laid out their purpose. God has already told them this is what you're to do. God has already told them this is your job. This is your assignment. This is why I placed you on the earth. He's already made that clear. He's told them to guard it. He's told them to protect it. He's told them to work the ground. He's given them all these instructions. And now the enemy shows up. And then in verse 6 it says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now all of a sudden we have Eve showing up with desires that were not originally there. This tree was there all along. This tree didn't just all of a sudden show up, all of a sudden grow out of the ground, and then Satan said, well, hey, I'm going to get him with this tree. That was there all along. The thing that kept Adam and Eve doing the right thing was God's instruction because he said, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It gave them very clear instructions. They had no problem. But now all of a sudden, the enemy has shown up. The enemy always works in deception. Satan's job in the earth is to distract you. I'm going to tell you right now, Satan knows how important your purpose is. He knows how important our purpose is more than we do sometimes. I think that we lose sight of what our purpose is and what our assignment is in the earth, but Satan never does. He knows that God placed you here for a reason. He knows that you have a call in your life. He knows that God has good things planned for your life. And his goal 
is to distract you. See, sometimes he's not just trying to take you out. He wants to get you off. Because, see, if he gets you off, if he gets you deceived or distracted, you can go on thinking that you are doing the right thing when you're really not. And that's a tricky situation to be in. And that's what he did with Adam and Eve. He deceived them, and he got them to desire something that up until this point they had no desire for. They had no desire for that fruit. They had no desire to eat from there. God had already given them every other tree in the garden to eat from. The Word says that. So why all of a sudden are Adam and Eve eating from a tree that they were told not to? Because a desire showed up. Jesus did the same thing, or uh, Satan did the same thing to Jesus in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. In verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Verse 5, Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. So notice here that Satan is using the same exact tactic that he pulled on Adam and Eve. Deception. Distraction. I know you have an assignment. I know you have a purpose. But let me try to detour you. Let me try to distract you. Let me try to get you off of your assignment. But Jesus, knowing his assignment and knowing his purpose, knowing why he was in the earth, he didn't fall for it. But Adam and Eve did. Those desires showed up. And Jesus knew what desires were good and what desires were bad. He knew which desires came from his father and he knew which desires came from Satan. So this is where we this is where we get tripped up a lot of times in prayer is we're asking but with wrong motive. We're performing the action but with the wrong intentions behind it. Now let me show you. Let me let me show you how this works, because that can get tricky. How do I know that I'm asking with the wrong motives? How do I know that this is not of God? And the answer is, whatever you ask for, whatever you pray for, should not draw you away from God. See, going after that fruit, disobeyed God's command, and immediately brought separation. The deception, the distraction, brought separation between man and God. Because 
let's look, let's look at the first one. The Satan tempts Jesus with food. Well, I mean, come on. It's food. Who, who of us would not go for that? I mean, you're out in the wilderness. You're starving. You've been fasting for 40 days. And he says, command that stone to be turned into bread. And Jesus could have done it. I mean, he multiplied food. He turned water into wine. But the key was the source. The key was the source. See, Jesus relied on only one person as his source, and that was his father. See, Jesus always used the word father, and that word father is translated Abba, and Abba means sustainer or source. And he knew, no, only my father is the source. And when when I need food, he's going to provide it for me. In fact, if you go on down, uh, the next verse after what we just read, after the temptation, it says that angels came and ministered to him from the right source. The thing that we can watch for is if what we're praying for or if what we're asking for, does it separate us or does it draw us away from God? There's all kinds of questions. There's always, there's always different things in our lives that we're going after that we need to talk to God about. You need to talk to God if that's the right place for you to move to. You need to talk to God if that's the right job to take. You need to talk to God if you need to quit your job. You need to talk to God if you need to go back to school. We need to talk to God about the spouse we're going to marry. We need to talk to God about all these different things in our lives that a lot of times we just try to figure out on our own. But the question is, what is the motive and the intention behind it? Money's a big one. We ask God for money a lot because we all need it. And again, God knows what we need. The Father knows what we need even before. If he's the source and the sustainer, it'd be good for him to know what we need as our source. Amen? But there are times where we're asking God for money, and it's outside of his intention or outside of his will, and it doesn't, I mean, what, what's the motive? Is it just so we can have more money? I mean, people, we, we ask for money so we can just uh, be carefree. I don't have to worry about anything. I've got the money to pay the bills. I've got the money to do this. I mean, if this were to come up, I've got it. Or is the intention, I want finances flowing through my life, so I always have it accessible and ready when God needs to use me to bless someone else. Now the intention isn't selfish and isn't just for our own pleasures and to spend and waste it on ourselves. Now it is so I can use it in my assignment. A lot of us sometimes we pray for healing. Well, are we only praying for healing because we just want to feel better? Because here is what's so important about healing. If you don't have this flesh suit in the earth, You can't do anything. Okay? Remember, we're spirit, soul, body. But if your spirit is not wrapped in the flesh, your spirit leaves. We've said this before. There's nobody's spirit in here that can separate from your fleshly body. You can't hop out of here and go down the road and get a sandwich real quick and come back. Your spirit body, your spirit is housed in your flesh. So if your flesh is decaying, if your flesh 
can't get out of bed in the morning, if your flesh can't go to work, if your flesh can't make it to church, if your flesh dies, then your spirit has no access into the earth. And your spirit belongs in the earth because this is where your purpose is. This is your assignment in the earth. So now, are we praying for healing because I hate feeling like this and I don't want to feel like this and I just want to be able to do stuff? Or are we praying for healing so I can get back to finishing out my assignment? So I can go to work and minister to people. So I can go to my job. So I can go to Walmart and be able to minister to someone in the aisle. Is there someone that you want to place in my life today that's part of my assignment today that I need healing flowing through my body so I can fulfill my assignment? Because we said it before, there's not a lot of sick people that are doing anything for anybody else. Most sick people, their attention is on themselves. Trying to take, trying to get better. I mean, I know if I get sick, I'm spending the day resting, laying in bed, doing what the doctors tell me to do, taking medicine. Why? Because I need to get better so I can go back to work tomorrow, so I can do this or do that. But I'm not here to just take care of myself. I'm not here to work a job, accumulate as much money as I can, retire at a nice age, have a nice house and a nice car and, and, a, and a big family. That's not, my, that's not my assignment. My assignment is to be a blessing to people around me. And I can't be a blessing to someone else around me if I'm only stuck at looking on myself. So now my prayer for healing is not, Lord, heal me so I can feel better. I'm tired of being sick. It's, Lord... I need your healing to flow into my body right now in the name of Jesus because you have an assignment for my life that I need to fulfill today. There's somebody that you're going to place in my path at work. There's someone you're going to place in my path when I go to the store. There's someone you're going to place in my path when I go to my kid's softball game. These are things we have to think. We have to think with that mentality. And when we do that, when we find everything revolving around our purpose, then you'll find that your prayers will be effective because they're lined up with your assignment. Then you won't pray selfishly. You won't pray with the wrong motives and the wrong intentions. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Matthew 6, verse 33. Jesus just gets done telling his disciples, ministering here, and he tells them, look, everybody is looking for what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, where they're going to live, the clothes that they're going to wear. He said, why do you look for those things? Why do you spend your life seeking those things? Why are you just here in the earth just trying to make a living? Why are you here in the earth just trying to figure out how to put food on the table? Why are you here in the earth just trying to figure out what am I going to wear the next day? And he closes it out with this in verse 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, what things? what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, the things that we think we need to sustain us. See, the only sustainer of our lives is God. But many times we take on trying to take care of ourselves, and we don't even let God do his job. And God is saying right here, seek first the kingdom of God. Why seek first the kingdom of God? What, what he's doing is he's showing priority. Make my kingdom priority. Then he says, and righteousness. That means living right in the kingdom. Here's my kingdom. Now obey my commands 
And then he says, and all these things will be added unto you. Will be added. So how can I direct my intentions? How can I direct my motives in prayer? Remember, if we don't have something working in our lives, if it's not effective and producing results, most of us just want to quit the thing. So let's figure out how to fix prayer so we can get it to work every time and be as powerful in prayer as we can be. We cannot pray uh, with, with the if, if it's your will. Every time someone asks if it was your will, Lord, Jesus always said, it is my will. Yes, that's my will. Yes, I want you to be healed. So we can't go into it doubting, but then we need to get the motives and the intentions lined up with the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. John chapter 16, or John chapter 4, I'm sorry, John chapter 4, verse 34, says, Jesus said to them, My food, my sustenance, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This was right after the the scene that I just described to you where Jesus goes to the woman at the well in Samaria. His disciples went into town to get food. He just gets done ministering to this Samaritan woman. His disciples now come back and they say, Hey, we, we got all your food. And he's saying, don't worry about it. My food is to do the will of my father. And then if you look in the next verse, the disciples are saying, did, did someone come and bring him food? That He said, my, your, the food I have, you don't even know. What sustains my life, the source of my life, is obeying my father's will. And I can promise you that every prayer Jesus prayed was in line with God's will and had an intention and a motive behind it that was not for himself, that was not selfish, that was not trying to get a step up in life, that wasn't trying to accumulate as much. You won't find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus was looking for money, where he was looking for the next meal. He was looking where he was going to stay that night. But he was doing pretty well. Why? Because I only do what my father wants me to do. I only seek his initiative. My intentions and motives are my father's intentions and motives. Him and I are one. His will for my life is my will for my life. And that's what we have to get lined up. And again, this is how we see results in prayer, is discovery. Am I praying for a new car just because, you know, I'm tired of the one that I have and, you know, it's just time to get a new one? Or is it necessary for my purpose? Is it necessary for my assignment? You need a car to get from point A to point B, sure. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of things that we would find ourselves not even having to pray about if we would just seek the will of God. Jesus didn't pray for food. Didn't, Jesus didn't say, Lord, I don't know where my, ne- my next meal's coming from. No, he just knew, Father, I just want to know your will. I'm going to seek out your assignment for my life. And those things will be taken care of. When I get hungry again, there'll be food in front of me. When I need to do this, I mean, he wasn't even worried when the disciples said, hey, it's time to pay taxes. That's where a lot of us start getting worried. It's tax time. Now, where am I going to come up with, you know, they want, government wants their money. You know why Jesus was confident there? Because I don't do anything on my own initiative. I don't do my own will. I don't do my own purpose. 
I don't do what I want to do. Everywhere I go, everything I say, every person I talk to, everything I do lines up with what my Father wants. So as long as I'm in His will, fulfilling my assignment, His assignment for my life, tax time? Yeah, uh, just go fishing, Peter, and you'll find a coin in his mouth. He wasn't concerned when you got a multitude of people stuck out in the desert for three days and they haven't eaten. And his disciples, what are we going to do? They're all hungry. And what did he say? Well, go in town and buy them some food. Jesus and his disciples were prepared to feed close to 20,000 people by going to the store and buying some food. That's a lot of food. I don't know if Sam's could do that. He's saying, just go on down into town. Hit up Publix and come back. And they said, okay, sure, but that's way too far, and we're going to be out here another two days. we got to feed them now. And he said, all right, well, bring me what you got. Bring me what you got. And he didn't even ask God to multiply it. He blessed it. He, he wasn't there, you know, worried. God, all right, I'm on the spot here. i got five loaves and two fish. What are we going to do? I, I don't know what we're going to do. we got all these people out here. They've been listening to me preach. and He wasn't concerned. He didn't even pray over the food. He just blessed it and said, all right, now start handing it out. And it didn't even multiply until they were handing it out. And it just never disappeared. And then they ended up with leftovers. That's the kind of life we need to live. That God, I'm so confident I'm in, my, I'm in your will for my life. I'm doing the assignment you've given me that I'm not even concerned about these things because you're going to meet those needs. I don't even need to pray for them. I don't even need to to pray with my own intentions or with my own motives because I know you've already got my back. You know what I need before I get there. That's the kind of confidence we have to raise up. What we ask for should not pull us away from God. It should draw us closer. It should bring you closer. And so I believe that we will see our prayers go to the next level when we understand that, you know what, we don't always just need to be spending time asking for things that we think we need. Let's just pray to be in line with God's will. What is his assignment for your life? We can't make rash decisions of, you know what, they've got a better job over here, it's going to pay me more money, so I got, so I'm going. We need to stop and ask God, God, is that where you want me to be? God is obligated to meet your needs as long as you are in his will and in his assignment for your life. That's what he's obligated to do. And we, we, we make these decisions, and then we wonder why the supply is not there. That's because we did something with our own intention, with our own motives, selfishly, without going to God first. I'll tell you what. If we would take the time to pray, God would save us a lot of time. Because <laughs> there's a lot of things that we do, and then we ended up having to do it over or do it differently or having to scratch that and do something completely different. Because it, if we would have just gone to God the first time, if we would have prayed about it the first time. You know, this morning I was up here praying, and um, I, I was just kind of talking, and I was like, instead of just talking that out, I need to be praying that. I need to make that a prayer, and then I need to start thanking God for that. There's things that we want to see in our lives. There's things that we want, we want to see this church do and happen 
and, and make happen in this city. And instead of just talking about it all the time, maybe I need to spend more time talking to God about it, the one who has the answer, the one who can direct me into what needs to be done to get there. It's a habit that we have to form. We all know we're, we're good at forming habits, and we're worse at breaking them. <laughs> but we need to break one habit, and we need to form a new one, and that is starting to talk to God. Remember, I've said this before, you know, a lot of times we think that we have to get in our little prayer closet and, you know, this is my set time from, uh, you know, 8 to 9 tonight. That's when I'm going to pray. But we need to get a habit of just talking to God all the time. You can talk to him in your car. You can talk to him when you're doing the dishes. You can talk to him when you're at Walmart. You can talk to him when you're on the job. If we will, make a, if we will do better at talking to God at any time, we will do better at hearing God any time. See, if we only come to church and talk to God, then we think that's the only time we can hear from him. But if we make a habit of talking to him throughout the day, developing that relationship, then you know what? I can hear him on the spur of the moment because I can talk to him at the spur of the moment. Not making decisions, not, not doing things uh, selfishly, not doing things uh, with the wrong intentions and the wrong motives. I don't know about you, but I don't have time to waste. And I don't have time to waste in prayer. I need my time talking with God to be the most productive and the most effective in my life. That's what I need. And I need to pray, and I need to get answers. Pray, prayers were meant to be answered. This whole thing of just chalking up prayers and hoping he answers us and, and hoping I hear from God, we got to get past that. Why would God want us to pray if he doesn't intend to answer our prayers? Prayers were meant to be answered. And we have to develop a prayer life where we know we're going to get answers. And we know that we're praying with the right motives, with the right intentions, because we are in line with his will. Those are things we need to start seeking God on. We need to ask God, God, what job do you have for me? God, where do you want me to send my kids to school? I don't know. God, God... Who do, you want, who do you want me to have as friends in my life? That's a big one. God, where do you want me to live? God, what house do you want me to buy? God, when, when's the right time to do this? God, when's, when's the right time to do that? That's the stuff we need to be conversating with God about. A lot of times we go to people before we go to God. We get their ideas. Well, you know, I, I think that would be a good job to have. Yeah, I mean, that's a no-brainer. I mean, they're, they're wanting to pay you more money. Go for it. But we're moved by something different than God. Because, again, if God's a sustainer, then why do we need a job to pay us more money? He's the supplier. He's the one bringing it in. I don't even rely on my paycheck. I don't even rely on what's coming in every two weeks or every week. I rely on God. So God is this move. What you want me to do? Do you want me to switch jobs? And now knowing that we're in line with God's will will allow our prayers not to be selfishly motivated, but God-motivated with the right intentions. Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. This morning we thank you that our, our prayer lives are going to the next level because we understand that we have an assignment and a purpose for our lives. You didn't just create us 
uh, for nothing. You didn't just put us here to, to wander around and wonder what we're doing, but you have placed us here for a specific purpose, a, a, a real assignment in life. And so, Father, I thank you that we discover what that is, and we find that our conversation and our communication with you lines up with that, that we're, we're not praying out of doubt and unbelief. We're not praying uh, wondering if, but we can pray with confidence like your word says to pray, knowing that you do hear us when we pray, that you are ready and willing to give us the, the requests and the petitions that we make known to you. But, Father, we pray that those requests uh, and, and our prayers, that they, we're, we're not wasting time, we're not asking amiss, we're not asking with, with wrong intentions and motives, but we're asking in line with the purpose and the, and the assignment you have placed on our lives. May we never find ourselves asking for something that doesn't draw us closer to you. May we place more confidence in your word and in you speaking to us and knowing to clearly hear your voice so when we pray, we can expect results. We want effective, productive prayer. We don't want prayers that we just wasted time doing and we don't know if anyone really heard them. We want answers because we have uh, an assignment to fulfill in our lives and in the earth, Father. So we thank you right now that this goes to heart. This is planted in, in the soil of our hearts, Father, that we'll walk out of here doers of the word, not hearers only, because then we'd be deceived. You said in your word that we are deceived if we don't apply your word. So this is what we want to live by. This is what we want to put into practice tomorrow and, and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And that's how we'll see the results in our life. Father, we thank you for this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.